we don't understand. We have line orders basically just disappearing after we've shipped and, and stuff's, you know, I'm like, well, there's, there's no way it's just disappearing. So let's take a look at this and, and see what's happening. And it was an example of they didn't really understand exactly how the system had been set up originally. And some systems have the option to cancel the remainder of the line item as well. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. The rising consumer expectations and growing trend of marketplaces are driving the order processing complexity for businesses. Sales order processing is increasingly complex. You have challenges such as partial delivery. In some industries, the entire order to cash cycle needs to be closed for a line before the order line can be processed. There might also be trends such as shipping early in the hope of getting higher margins from the order. So what architectural considerations do you need to have in place to accommodate such business scenarios. What do you need to look for in selecting your ERP? Which ERP systems might fire back if you don't natively support the business scenarios? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss the pros and cons of partial order processing and early shipping. We covered many grounds, including the concepts such as shipping complete, planning around prioritizing, and back ordering, and how partial processing differs in make-to-stock versus make-to-order manufacturing. Finally, we discussed issues in some industries such as medical device, avoiding partial processing, creating a temporary warehouse for shipping consolidations and implications as grave as order lines disappearing from the sales orders because of the limited system capabilities and training. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to digital transformation, and we always have a very exciting panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. For today, we are going to be discussing a very interesting topic, and sometimes it could be very debatable. So I think we are going to have real debate today, and that is going to be the partial shipping and the partial order processing, partial order fulfillment. And sometimes you are probably not going to have a choice uh, because that is going to be driven by how customers want it. 
So we will have a lot of fun discussing all of that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. And if you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. We help our clients with ERP selection, ERP implementation. I've been doing ERP implementations for roughly, what, 20 years now. And uh, the partial shipping is always the fun topic to discuss. And Chris, I am going to come to you for your intro next. Hi, Chris Garadini, president and owner of Turnkey Technologies. I've been implementing Microsoft Dynamics ERP solutions for a little over 30 years. So I started when I was a teenager, though. So looking forward to the conversations. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Bob, can I move to you next for distribution for insurance products? Uh, but I come here with over 30 years of manufacturing experience and ERP implementation. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Bob. Tom, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Yes, thanks, Sam, and hi, everyone. My name is Tom Rodden. I am a former CIO of a med device life science company here in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, where I'm sitting today, uh, but also uh, about 10 years of ERP and supply chain consulting and uh, 10 years of industry uh, line uh, operations um, in supply chain as well. So I come to the topic today with um, great interest, some some. Uh, both operational as well as IT. So happy to be here. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Um, Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Yeah, I appreciate it, Sam. I'm Dave Dozer. I'm the president at Blaze IT. Um, we're a reseller and implementer of cloud ERP solutions for small, mid-sized businesses. Been doing ERP um, for about 20 years. So um, like Chris, I started like when I was six years old. Um, so <laughs> looking forward to the conversation today. Um, it's going to be going to be a good one. There's a lot of a lot of challenge and partial good conversation. Appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, uh, you guys have an option to send your questions and comments. We typically cover them during the show and if you cannot get to them then our panelists are going to make sure that you receive your answers on that note i am going to start with chris with the first question and uh you know my question to chris is going to be when we think of the partial order processing number one i mean i don't know what all drivers you have seen in your experience that typically drive the partial order processing and if you can touch on different use cases and the industries where partial order processing is probably going to be relevant first from the uh, you know demand perspective and then we can talk about how we are going to be fulfilling that Chris, do you want to start sure thanks sam so partial shipping is always an interesting element and i guess depending on which industry you're coming from you're either welcoming it or you're dreading it and in fact as you look at erp and ecom systems you're going to have different behaviors depending on your industry depending on what customer expectations are. Again, in the retail model, again, I think everybody shopped on Amazon. They do an elegant job of parsing out line items and showing you freight charge options, whether you group them together and take one shipment three days later, or you take this one early, this one later. And in the end, they're rationalizing that expense back to the consumer. Okay. So that's that's an expensive e-com. Not all e-com sites have that elegance or millions and millions of dollars development. So, but But certainly that would foster and support good flow into your back office systems. It's breaking everything down. Again, in the uh, the ship complete, imagine you're, you're building big products. You certainly don't want to do an LTL like that's less than truckload and ship three big pieces in three separate shipments and use three truckloads versus one truckload. So I've got ERP systems that have a ship complete button. And that is designed to keep, you know, you allocate the inventory to the line item. If it's gone through production, it's allocated, but it's not picked, it's not shipped and, and, and so forth. And so again, as you get some other complexities there, 
if you do allow partial ships is the back office systems. A lot of times, if you're not using warehouse management, they're sending a paper picking ticket. That's got three line items on that, but there were two back order, but it only, it only printed the three. Well, the guy's out there picking those three. Meanwhile, some inventory comes in and says, oh, we got more to ship, throws the picking ticket out there again. Now it's got four line items on it. Oops. So that's, that's just a simple illustration of a timing problem because they're picking off paper, haven't updated a system. More stock comes in. The system's saying, hey, you got more you can service, throws the picking ticket back out there, and everything's on it. And there's an example where now you got to really look at the architecture and say, and in the warehouse management system where you're picking and fulfilling, it's probably updating the line item. So now it knows that line's already picked, and it's not going to print it again on the picking ticket. But there's a simple example. Um, I've got a horror story for you from back in the day where the customer had that problem. And they said, could you customize my system? And what it actually did is it would take the order for the shipping lines and the non-shipping lines and break it in half. Oops. Okay. Well, that's similar in some architecture. They create a backorder document where you have to reallocate by converting a backorder document back in order. Anyway, in this scenario, it added a line and dropped the line. So in the end of the day, they overshipped and underbilled. What a nightmare. So you got to really look for that feature, but I'll stop there. Yeah. So there are some very interesting layers uh, to that commentary. So first is the Amazon commentary and Amazon is a very interesting animal. And I like to see the Amazon business model is another layer on top of your existing uh, e-commerce architecture or the infrastructure, because there you are not only dealing with just the order processing, you are also dealing with the marketplace business model. And in the case of market business model, you have to do a lot more order splitting and how they are going to be routed to a lot of different vendors, which is a different processing altogether. Nowadays, when you are working with dropshipping business model, that could be applicable as well. But for the most part, that's another layer is how I like to define it. And there are a lot of different e-commerce systems that can handle marketplace business model far better than your ERP business. And the other layer that I want to touch is going to be the ship complete that you mentioned. So I don't know if you are going to have another scenario or the example so that people can follow along what ship, how ship complete really works in the transaction, Chris. Yeah, sure. And in, in the context of a sales order that has five line items on it, it's typically yeah. a customer profile setting where you mark the customer as a ship complete customer. And part of that is freight efficiencies and just the other problem is that they get a partial order and they're expecting everything to come together. They may lose things. And so this is a don't send it to me in one at a time. Right. Even at home. I don't want to get it one at a time. Could you send it all in one box? And so but but that setting and again, it kind of blocks. Um, a pick a ticket, a picking ticket from being generated until you got 100% of line items allocated. So the allocation is what really allows that line item or that order to say, okay, every line's allocated. And so even if you think about allocation formulas, there's some people that don't allocate to a sales order and they allocate through separate processes than order entry. A lot of systems, you type it in, it's allocating inventory. It doesn't care if you're not shipping it for six months. A lot of customers, a lot of companies, ERP systems don't allocate. And then they allocate based on ranges of ship dates. So they're allocating based on stuff they need to get out of the door. But but that is a legitimate um, setting. And that's why it's just, and it may be manufacturing, maybe big pieces. It may be the customer's preference since it is typically a customer attribute where they request a ship. Okay, Different okay. industry, not retail. So you're typically dealing with a distributor or wholesale type model where you're using that setting. So Very interesting commentary. Thank you so much for that, Chris. So Bob, I'm actually coming to you and we are touching this more from the demand perspective right now, what are different factors that typically drive the partial shipping in your case uh, that you have seen, you know, things were in control, things were not in control. Did you stop it from the business process perspective, uh, the way what, you know, Tom is going to talk about? And I don't know if you're going to have the control all the time when you look at the par partial processing of your sales. Yeah. So in my experience, you know, not those models, the models really that kind of make to order shop. 
right? We are making items for a customer that's ordered that specific item. So it's not something on the shelf. It's something you're making for them. Um, and in that scenario, they're going to have certain demands about when they want the product and you're making it. And you may say, that's lovely, Mr. Customer. However, we can't ship you all million pieces next week, but I could ship you 50,000 because I can get the line going and give you 50 and then figure out when I need the rest. And then it's a matter of what their acceptability is to, can you invoice them? You know, can I invoice you for those 50,000 when it goes out the door and kind of say, hey, here's your invoice for 50,000. Maybe they're FOB to them and they pay for the freight so you're not worried about what that whole piece is because it's getting built to them. Um, or they're just saying, you know, it's prepay an ad where you're just adding the freight to that. So they, you basically have that contract saying, whenever you tell me to ship, I'm just going to bill you whatever that freight is, whatever that line it is, based on what we said. The tricky part, of course, then again, going to be is one how your costing set up in the background because again you need to be very careful about how you set up your costing routines if you're going to send out partials are you doing a projected cost so you're kind of saying here's what i expect the cost to be so when i ship a partial i may not have run all my costing but i'm just going to say hey this fifty thousand went out and here's my projected cost and when i run a costing routine for that it kind of goes out at that projected cost and you better hope that you're pretty close because if you have a lot of scrap or a lot of other items, it's not going to happen. You're not going to find out until you do the final shipment of that line item. And you could be, you know, again, look at this, say, no, it looks like we're doing OK. And at the end, all of a sudden, all the costs come through for how that job ran and it, you're under underwater. Um, the other tricky part about this is going to be if you're crossing over periods. So, again, if you're crossing over periods and closing out periods and running your costing and partial shipments. So I'll kind of stop there. But, yes, yeah, so I came from the operations side, make to order. So it was a necessary evil, but it's just really making sure you have your foundations uh, in your system to make sure that you're capturing those costs, taking the inventory out, getting the revenue recognition, getting the invoices out. Um, and again, if you have customers that don't want the invoice, say, you can't invoice me till I'm done and it's crossing over periods. What are you going to do then? So just, again, trying to have an understanding of what you're doing is really important in the beginning. Yeah. So some very interesting layers there. And I am actually going to add another layer, uh, you know, just to make it a little, little bit more confusing, I guess, for uh, our listeners. Um, so here you are talking about processing an order that actually goes in multiple deliveries. And obviously you are going to have challenges of costing. But, you know, the same can be treated as the blanket order as well. In the case of blanket order, you are probably going to have the, the fixed pricing in the, uh, you know, beforehand, and you are probably going to have the contract. So I don't know if you have seen the blanket order in case of the make to order shop, but I mean, some businesses might treat this as blanket order. So do you see any issues with that? What, what would be your, uh, you know, recommendation on, on that box? Yeah, the experience that we've had with blank orders typically would be you kind of get that contract and depending on how it's set up, it might be just here's the quantity. But some of the ones I've had has been here's the monthly release, right? So you kind of have this and say, so you set up a line item for each release. You kind of go and make, you're going to make each, treat each one as a separate order. And so it's easy. They're very discreet, right? It's like line one is the May shipment. Line two is the June shipment. And you release it in your plant as such. Now, again, you could make decisions on the work order side to say, I'm going to make May and June in one work order and tie it back to one sales order, or I'd say two lines of the sales order, still relatively okay. Uh, but again, you know, costing can be a little tricky if you haven't run the full order and you're sending out that one line and maybe all the stuff isn't made yet, it's not on the shelf. Um, the other way is if you have a blanket order, sometimes you have that, that line item and you just keep decreasing it and, you know, adding a new line item for the actual shipments. So you're kind of, again... But again, it gets tricky with the work order. Like, how am I going to tie in the manufacturing side? So again, there's some real challenges there to making sure 
you have a good process flow of how you're going to run it in your plant and how it's tied back to your sales order. So, again, you're kind of making sure those are tied together cleanly. Because, again, the nightmares I've seen is going to be that whole issue where you go and make the first line and you make 100000 but you make a little bit over. So then you have that 10000 So now what do you do with that 10000 And then the next order you run, you've got 90000 But how do you, you know, so one order looks like you didn't make a lot of money. The next order makes make, make a lot of money because you have this. So are you receiving it in inventory and then ship? You know, so how are you tying the sales order to the manufacturing order? So again, the challenge there would be, you might say, make my manufacturing order and stick it on a shelf and then just have the sales order go and grab. What, so it doesn't matter how much you have. You're just going to say, if I if I make 110, I put it on the shelf. And then if I go and grab 100, it's going to cost it accordingly. There's 10 still left there. The next work order, I just make 90 because I know I already have 10. And then I just bring that into inventory and then I go grab the sales order. So again, making sure you have a good setup uh, to how you're going to tie your sales orders and your manufacturing or how you're going to go through your workflow is important. Okay, very interesting commentary there. So I think I want everybody to sort of touch on that comment because there is a little uh, you know gray area there in terms of whether you should be treating your operations as make to order or should you be making make to stock, especially if you are doing the partial production runs as, as, as uh, Bob pointed out. Right. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting debate. So, you know, whenever you guys have uh, a chance, I would love to uh, touch on that topic, what you guys have seen. But, Tom, I'm actually coming to you and we are touching this topic more from the demand perspective. Um, you know what you have seen uh, the drivers uh, of the partial shipping and if you have seen any sort of controls that you can have in place to avoid the partial uh, uh, fulfillment or the or the shipping. Yeah. And I think a couple of. Uh, our speakers already, both Chris and Bob, have have described scenarios where it's, if not desirable, certainly necessary to do partial shipments. Um, but I have been involved in industries where it's highly undesirable. Um, and uh, in the life science industry, for example, shipping medical devices, um, you need to ship it complete. Even if there's an install on site, right? It, all the parts, all the system components need to be there at one time. You're never going to get sign off. You're never going to put it into operation. So different industries have different uh, uh, positions when it comes to partial shipping, right? Um, and some very much against and can't live with that. Customers can't live with that. Um, and others probably much, much more flexible. Now, um, I do agree, though, there, there are some cases where it's necessary. And I, I'm aware and have experienced a few cases where it's even advantageous to the uh, company that is doing the partial shipping. Um, so, but first, let's just maybe touch on, you know, how to avoid it. If, if you really believe, as I do in general, that it's more of a, uh, I don't want to call it a worst practice. You know, this whole webinar is entitled Best Practices, right? So, uh, so how, do you, how do you describe what is not a, a best practice, perhaps, in terms of shipping partial complete? Um, what are the best practices around that? How do you deal with it most effectively? Well, uh, I'd say number one is, can you avoid it? Um, obviously, you can carry more inventory. A lot of short shipping or partial shipping is driven by uh, shortages, right? Um, there's also, that's not always cost effective. Um, there, there are diminishing returns or costs holding more inventory. But, um, but that is one thing. If you're, if you're cutting too close to the bone, you may be creating situations where you're shipping short more often than you need to, right? So you need to look at your reorder points, reorder quantities, or manufacturing process, if you're making to stock specifically, and, and make sure that you're not creating problems unnecessarily for your operation. I'd say number two, there are, and this is true, I think, in, in the e-commerce world in particular, there are uh, 
scenarios where you're shipping from multiple distribution centers. You really, uh, it, you know, you may have um, an order to Amazon or, or some other e-commerce retailer um, where you say, these are the four items that I would like, and they're not going to come from one warehouse. So by definition, these are going to be separate shipments. Now, can you avoid that? Well, yes, you can. In some ways, you can create consolidation points. This is certainly one of the things that uh, was done in the life science industry. When we had different factories producing different parts of a complete system, we would not ship the, the couch for a, you know, uh, a radiation therapy piece of equipment, like a big, you know, like the size of a CAT scanner. And we're shipping into a hospital. We wouldn't ship the couch that the patient would lay on and uh, the, the, the um, core system that does the scanning and, you know, some other uh, peripherals that do uh, imaging. We wouldn't ship those in three separate shipments, actually. Though they might come from three separate factories. We would ship to a consolidation point and then consolidate and ships one one package to the customer, the hospital. You know, so there are, there are ways to consolidate. Again, that's adding more cost to your supply chain, but it may be a, a worthwhile investment depending on the nature of your business and the position of your customers towards partial shipments. Um, a, uh, a, a third obvious uh, way of not shipping partial would be simply to delay the shipment. If I have two of the three items and I don't have the third, uh, I could wait until I get that third item. In many cases, this is driven by customers, too. A lot of this partial ship or ship complete question is a customer preference um, or requirement uh, that, as I think Chris might have said, you know, you can you can program into a lot of ERP systems. Um, so you prevent accidentally shipping partial or delaying things unnecessarily when a customer is willing to take partial. But you can you can delay. That's a third option. Again, none of these are great. A fourth option that I've seen that I thought was quite interesting. I saw this. Um, in the high-tech industry when I was a consultant um, in uh, Silicon Valley um, and doing big ERP program implementations. So there were a number of uh, clients we had that would use the allocation process. And I think Chris may have mentioned allocation as one of the features of ERP systems. Some have pretty sophisticated allocation tools. And I saw some, some customers some clients using the ATP, you know, available to ship allocation process um, to basically, uh, if, if a customer was a ship complete customer, let's take an example. Uh, if a customer is a ship complete customer and we don't have a full set of materials to ship, so we only have three of the four products that they want, um, then we might deallocate the three items from that customer, even though that order came in first. And again, Chris kind of mentioned this. You know, some, some systems, most systems, in fact, you make that initial order entry and stock gets at least initially allocated based on availability to that order. So you might have that order come in, three items are allocated, and one is effectively back order. Um, but that's a ship complete customer. Other orders are coming in afterwards, and they're lining up behind that order in a queue uh, based on date of order's arrival. Um, and so now those first three items that were allocated to the first order for that ship complete customer can't be shipped to these other customers. It only ordered maybe two of those three items. You could ship complete or you could ship maybe partial if they accept partials. You could ship that product to other customers. So I saw, uh, particularly uh, in, in the high-tech industry, I saw a lot of customers using this kind of ATP process after those initial allocations. Every night, they'd be running their ATP 
deallocating from, say, a ship complete customer uh, and reallocating to other customers where they could ship complete or maybe they could ship partial, uh, but they get more product out the door. Um, and this was maximizing revenue. And, and similarly, I've seen uh, the use of the ATV logic where you can also not just look at uh, the ship complete flags and ship partial flags on customers, but you can also prioritize customers. So I've seen cases where all the inventory that was allocated initially um, is deallocated and the whole process is reallocating to all customers based on priority. So now Walmart is my top priority customer and I'm going to make sure I ship everything I can to them. Everybody else is going to take a back seat. You know, so the reallocation process every night is ensuring that I can potentially ship complete uh, to more customers, the, the high priority critical customers. So um, those are some examples of um, how I've seen people manage this ship complete or partial ship question and, and in many cases try to avoid um, partial shipping. Okay, very interesting layers there. And I am going to ask you for one clarification uh, overall, and that is going to be the requirement in the medical device space. So you mentioned a couple of different things that, you know what, you need to ship completely, otherwise you're not allowed to ship. So who is driving the requirements for this? Uh, you know, so you mentioned the example about, okay, if you are shipping the radiation therapy machine, then the couch, whatever goes along with that, that all needs to go together. So is the hospital going to say that, you know what, you ship a machine to me, but I don't have a place to, to store that. And that's why you are not allowed to ship it partial. Or are these requirements mandated by FDA that you have to have the complete shipment? Otherwise, you are not allowed to talk to your customers. Uh, it's not the FDA that's driving okay. the ship complete question with customers at hospitals and clinics. That's not they're not they're not focused on that level of operational uh, detail. Um, this is a case where. Uh, as an example, you know, in that scenario, I talked about a, a radiation therapy machine. That's that's taking up an entire room in a hospital or in a clinic, right? Um, and they have maybe an older piece of equipment that they want to uh, take out of service and they want to replace with a high-tech new piece of equipment. Um, and they do not want to stop treating patients until everything is ready to go. Because they want, you know, a 24, 48-hour downtime, ideally over a weekend, where you say, I'm ready. We've got all the parts. We're ready to deliver it on site. And we can, in 24, 48 hours, have you up and running with the new equipment. And you won't miss a beat. And you won't cancel any patient uh, uh, visits and treatments. So it's much more uh, the customer that's driving what they feel is an acceptable process. Uh, and again, they're, they're looking at patient care. They're looking at maximizing their revenue, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot in it for the, you know, the, the medical device company too. They don't want to be sending engineers out multiple times. Um, there may be nowhere to store the product, uh, you know, the, the shipments that are partial that would be sitting waiting. I mean, they're, they're supposed to go into the room when, when the room is made available. So, um, you know, they don't, there's no, there's no place to put this equipment. It ends up back still at the uh, med device company's warehouse. So there's a lot of drivers, I think, both from the, the med device companies and from uh, the hospitals and clinics to do this when everything's ready to go. 
Okay, amazing. Thank you so much uh, for that. So now I am actually going to move to my six years old. Uh, and the question, for you, <laughs> the question for you is going to be more from the demand perspective. What have you seen when you think about the partial shipping? Do you think that it is going to be necessary for business? Uh, you know, or uh, is it is it just driven by some of the constraints that they might have? In the, and that's why they are doing the partial shipping. Yeah, I mean, to kind of build on a lot of the points that the, the other guys made here, when, when you're looking at that, I, I really think the, the need for partial shipping kind of falls into two distinct categories. Um, one of those being it's a, it's a customer-driven demand. So, you know, one of the one of the things you guys kind of talked about earlier um, and Bob had mentioned about, you know, with blanket orders and, and those sort of things, you know, for example, we, we have one customer and one of their largest customers basically dictates how they're going to ship. You know, they send an order with 500 line items on it, spread out across the next six months and say, you know, here's when you're going to ship. And, you know, it's all on one sales order, all on one PO. And that's, you know, spread out across a, a period of time. So technically that one order is being short shipped, but that's a little bit more from a planning and staging perspective that's, that's driven by the, the customer. On, on the flip side of that, when it's not necessarily customer driven, it really kind of all falls back into planning or deficiencies in planning, as the case may be, and then what your customer's willing to accept. You know, on the flip side of that, um, and, and some of the industries and folks we've worked with, you know, the customers say just, hey, we'll take whatever you can give us. And we want it as soon as you can give it to us. And, you know, maybe there's been issues in the supply chain of getting the raw materials. There's a lot of reasons that go into that. And, you know, we could get into a much deeper discussion around material planning and, and making sure that you're getting finished goods on the on the shelf in time. But in those situations, you're really short shipping just because you don't have it. You haven't been able to make it fast enough and you need to get it out of the you know, out as soon as possible. So, you know, in my, my eyes, there's really kind of a distinction between, you know, a scheduled short shipment and a true back order in the sense of we haven't made this and we still this product. Now, that starts to get into a lot of complexities, too, of some of the things, Chris and, and Tom, what you guys were mentioning around, you know, some customers are only going to accept ship complete. So from a setup perspective, you've got to manage, you know, manage those customers and, and maybe plan a little bit better to those as, as well. So you start getting into a lot of complexities around aligning your material requirements process, your manufacturing process with the demands of the customer and start talking about, you know, how can we get into forecasting better? How can we get into better material planning, better production planning to avoid these type of scenarios when it's not driven by the customer, but then also managing that as well. And, you know, this may be divergent of question a little bit, but it's kind of an anecdotal story. You know, you also need to understand exactly how to manage that in your ERP system. Years ago, I, I had a um, kind of new client call up and they're like, hey, we don't understand. We have line orders basically just disappearing after we've shipped and, and stuff, you know, and like, well, there's there's no way it's just disappearing. So let's take a look at this and, and see what's happening. And it was an example. Of they didn't really understand exactly how the system had been set up originally. And, you know, some systems have the option to cancel the remainder of a line item as well, you know, to say the customer says, well, give me what you got and cancel the rest. Yeah. So they had everybody set up. So they'd ship you know, 70 out of 100 and the other 30 were getting closed out. And but to that end, you know, there are some scenarios where 
that's applicable. You know, we've got some food customers that their large customers say, hey, we expect you to always have this. If you can't ship in full by the, the date that we give you, ship what you got and just cancel the rest off of the order and we'll place another order later. So there's a lot of complexities and nuance that, you know, go into to partial shipments and back or the whole um, both from the customer management side and the ERP management side, but but generally speaking, you know, I'll I'll fight the battle, and it falls into one of those two categories of you know it's either customer driven or it's because I don't want to say of your own poor planning, but maybe areas where you can plan better to to try to avoid that. Um, you know, maybe that's opening a can of worms, but that's um, you know kind of what we try to help folks get towards is, you know, how, how can we plan to not have this happen um, on a consistent basis where we're always behind, always shipping short and, and always scrambling? Yeah, so very interesting layers. And uh, Tom, do you have a comment? I, I was just going to say, you know, David just reminded me of my life years ago at General Electric when I was in the lighting industry um, and had line operations responsibility for supply chain. And when it came to lighting products and seasonal, you know, say Christmas lights, that was a classic where customers, retailers were saying, I'll take what you got, but it's, you know, December 20th and I'm not back ordering anything. OK, if you've got it and can deliver tomorrow, I'll take it. If you can't, then just cancel the rest of that line item. And so that, that ship and cancel was uh, was something that was definitely uh, frequently the case with seasonal. For sure. Yeah, definitely adds another layer of complexity um, to the whole issue. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a very interesting layer there. And I want to touch a little bit more there. And again, I am going back to my blanket order example, because I have seen scenarios where you are literally, uh, you know, you can handle this as a blanket order. But in this particular case, it is probably going to be a sales order because they had expected this product to be delivered. And that's why they had the sales order. And now, since you cannot deliver, you are canceling it. But you had a really fine point in your story. And there, they were thinking that these lines were disappearing <laughs> i don't know right. why they felt that they were disappearing so do you have some more context there why they felt that they, they were disappearing because they didn't have enough insight in the business because somebody must be manually canceling those and they should be able to see that they are being canceled right and and part of that was that kind of goes to you know not fully understanding the capabilities of your ERP system. And it, it was a situation where, you know, the folks that were in charge of managing that weren't the people that had set it up originally, didn't really kind of know all the ins and outs of, of the system. And so I, I maybe using the word disappearing was not the um, appropriate word, but, but getting closed out in the sense that, you know, they, they'd see they shipped against the order. Then all of a sudden there's, they've invoiced it. There's not an open order anymore. It's all just kind of moved in this particular ERP system have kind of history system. And, you know, it's like, Oh, well, these other lines are closed and I have no idea why, why they closed out. So, so that really comes down to a training thing, but it's important in this whole kind of context because there's so much nuance to it. I mean, you're getting into canceling of the remainders, you know, making sure that it's appropriate customers, if, if they're a ship complete customer, that they're set up as such, you know, do they accept back orders? Do they not? So, you know, that's a line in the, the real world too you know, the complexities of, of the back office. Amazing. Thank you for that. So, Chris, I'm actually coming to you now. Um, so there are three things that you can pick on. You can talk about whatever you want. Number one is going to be the fulfillment side of the problem. So, so far we were talking about the demand. Now we are going to be talking about supply. Second thing, we are going to be talking about the systems. If you have seen any specific considerations that uh, companies should be taking when they are planning 
for the partial delivery or the partial shipment. And the third is going to be comments on comments. <laughs> sure. So, uh, you know, you did jar some different thoughts. And I think that it really is a perspective is, you know, when when are you going to be in these multiple shipments? And you nailed it. Drop ship. Absolutely. The stuff's coming from who know where. Um, and again, I guess then if you're a multiple distribution system business, right? Meaning I just did an order. I got three boxes from three different places. So they're manufacturing and they're distributing and they're not moving everything and consolidating distribution. So now in the world, let's fast forward. You have one distribution center. Okay. Now you attack the problem. And I think Dave, Dave made it. If It's back order management. If you've got one facility, one distribution center, it's a whole different set of dynamics. And if you're not doing drop ships, so let's go back to that. You run a distribution center, whether you're making stuff, stocking it, buying stuff, reselling it. But master planning, right? What are my min maxes? What are my lead times? How much do I keep so that by the time the reorder, I don't run out? That is all configuration, and, and it takes a lot of science to get that right. So, um, But as you go back to the fulfillment and, and the techniques, it's allocation is part of it. And Tom jumped on that one. And, yeah, it is a, is a big part of your process. Is, and, and to that point, that's an advanced setting even in our Dynamics, the old GP app. It's called Advanced Fulfillment. That allows you to do a little bit where you don't allocate at the point of sales order, but then you can allocate based on customer priority or by requested ship date. So you've got a couple of metrics there, but to that point, you're allocating preferentially, pushing those out the door. Yeah, it's systems consideration. Yeah, you're looking for those settings. You're looking for the, the ship complete options. You're looking for visibility of ready to ship, you know, where can I really see what, what's triggering a partial shipment? Do I manually override that? And I think the other thing that's going to drive that behavior, if it's not the customer demanding it, it's your own business. Revenue recognition. Bob hit that one. Man, why can't can, we got 80,000 of 100 done? It's the end of the month. Can we ship those and recognize revenue? So, so revenue recognition is a motivator. And then the other part of that is just going to be storage space. We didn't talk about storage space. I got to get out of the building. Man, I can't, I can't store everything I'm building. I got to continue to. So there's, there's a number of different factors that are going to put you in that space where you just have to plan for it and make sure that the timing on fulfillment updates the line items and the line items do disappear. They do. And there's actually a setting there to say, can you print the ones that were already, or actually the back order ones? Customers are like, I ordered 10 lines. Why is there only three? Print the back ordered lines. And even after you shipped and you invoiced, they're like, well, what's the rest of my order? Well, you should have already got it. But to that point, the disappearing light items, there is an iteration there where they do drop off the current sales order because they've been invoiced. And there's sometimes you can turn it on and say, can you print everything that was previously shipped so the customer's not picking up the phone and calling you? So you're trying to manage customer service. You're trying to manage customer experience, trying to manage cost, revenue rec. There's a lot of moving. Like I said, there's some factors where choices. And comments on comments, I think I think we're doing good today. So Okay, amazing. So I am going to have one uh, follow-up question for you, and that is from Bob, and he is PMing me these questions so you guys can pm me as well if you want any questions so he is asking and it's not going to be fair if i ask that question to him i guess uh so <laughs> so the question is would you consider a virtual consolidation warehouse to minimize cost and i think the question is going back to what tom was describing to consolidate yeah. physically can you do it virtually that's a very interesting question it's an interesting right. point as you look at the the pick location so in advanced warehouse management systems you'd have the ability to have things picked and staged so but the problem you get into though is if you're trying to aggregate a customer's order it's almost like hey i have a job and i got all these po's coming in for the job 
where do I where do I aggregate it? You get into these micro little warehouses to your point, but that is whether you're doing job costing or you're doing construction where you've got POs and again, I'm buying for the customer and again, stop the pop. We didn't talk about POs that are coming into my DISTI specific for an order. Where do we stage them? So you're correct. Substaging is a very common technique and a lot of times it's it's awkward whether you create up a little micro site or a virtual warehouse and you put it over there and you transfer it in or, hey, I got a pallet label or, you know, a, a big license plate and I license plate the whole thing. That's that's another way to aggregate this. And, but you need more advanced warehouse management to do some of those things and manage it. If you're doing a paper based picking systems, it's very difficult to really segment out the warehouse and have efficiency. You got to have a mobile device. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So, Bob, I'm actually coming to you, and there are three layers. Number one is going to be supply and fulfillment. Number two is going to be any system consideration. And number three is going to be comments and comments. <laughs> three is the free-for-all. Um, so, specific to supply, you're just kind of talking about... So, I, I mean, I think Dave kind of hit upon a little bit, but this whole idea of planning. But I'd go back to even just your product offering, like depending on what it is you're trying to offer and making sure you're setting your business up for success. Um, I had an experience where we try to be agnostic, right? We try to be like, oh, we're going to be supply for everything. And you say, you know, it doesn't matter what chipset it is. We'll, we'll do it for you. The problem is, do you actually have all those chipsets in your inventory? They're very expensive. Do you, do you always maintain some amount of chips on, on hand to make sure you could take those orders in? Or do you wait to kind of get the order, chicken to the egg, and then say, okay, we'll get the chipsets. Ooh, the bleed time is 16 weeks. Sure, Mr. Customer, I'll get your product, but it's going to be 16 weeks. Or do you kind of you know, tailor your offering to say, we're going to go after these particular clients and just do these three chipsets and be really good at that. Uh, but again, just kind of putting all your eggs in one basket. So that supply, again, is really also about your business. Like, what is it? Who are our customers? Who are we going to go after? What's the product mix look like? What's the supply look like? Because again, you might make choices and say, that's a nice area to be in, but boy, the supply chain is really hard there. So maybe that's not an area where we will have success. Uh, so there's some considerations there just in terms of your business. Uh, but again, forecasting is key. And again, that's a whole different you know animal. But again, forecasting, working closely with the sales and working, you know, kind of really looking at those things on an ongoing basis. Where do I expect to be? What do I think is going to come in? When do I need to order? What are the lead times? And just kind of making sure you're really managing that process. Um, from the system standpoint, yeah, I agree with Chris. There's just a lot of considerations there to be mindful of when you're picking your system. You know, what does my work process look like? What are the things I need in place to do my process? So again, what are my costing foundations? Like, do I have those check boxes, projected costing, actual, or how am I going to set those up when I'm doing partials? Do I have things in my pack list that allow me to do some shipments where I have a kind of a review? So sometimes you do a review process, not because I think Dave touched on it. You do a review process, pack list. The idea is like, I submit a pack list, right? I say, I'm going to create this pack list, but maybe there's a review process because maybe the person that creates it, you want to make sure there's somebody a layer above them that's reviewing the pack list before it automatically goes to AR and says, go ahead and invoice. You just kind of have a layer there. But maybe that layer is not just for approval to make sure that you, the right things go across the line so you don't just arbitrarily start sending invoices out to clients. They're being reviewed. Or maybe it's because you want to do these types of partial things where the client says, I'll take the partial shipment because I need it, but you can't invoice me. So again, I need to control that stream to make sure that I have a stream in my pack list that says, yes, I've created the pack list because I need to get it out of my sales order. Yes, I've created the pack list, so I need to take it out of my inventory so I know that, that it's no longer on my shelf. But it's important to know my visibility of what really is truly allocated now. But I don't want to invoice it, so I don't want to leave it in this kind of you know state of review until I'm okay to say, yes, go ahead and send this invoice out. And then with consideration there is, Am I doing multiple partial shipments and I want to consolidate that all those pack lists into one invoice for that client? 
So again, you want to make sure they have capabilities in your system to basically summarize invoices or bring in different purchase orders. Maybe it's a couple of different sales orders. Maybe it's multiple sales orders into one invoice. You know, again, depending on how that looks, but it's important then how that looks from the PO standpoint. So again, there's a lot of things you need to consider about what's your work process and see if the system in fact can uh, can handle those types of things. So again, there's and then the other piece that is very difficult is the printing, the actual physical printing of an invoice, because that typically is where you don't have a lot of flexibility. But again, maybe some systems are better at it. Um, in my experience, it was unfortunately where your customers had certain demands that the ERP system just wasn't going to meet. And in that case, you just had to do some customization. Hopefully, it's not deep customization in your ERP. It's more just it's a printing customization where I'm just creating a customized form. Um, it could be so much. It could be so easy that you just essentially print 10 invoices, you print them out in your system, but you go in and create a Word document for your client and just kind of summarize it. Painful and manual, yes, uh, you could do that methodology. Or again, you could use some customization. But with that in mind, do you have the key to the store? Some ERPs will allow you, they have development, you can then write some customization outside their system that resides in an application server and you just kind of go and hit that app API. And when the invoice runs, it goes over here and, and then prints this, customized invoice and it's you know fairly straightforward that's if again you have a team or maybe your system integrator has that type of capabilities but again then you're beholden to them to uh, you know pay them for the service of building those customizations so definitely a lot of considerations on the system side to really understand your workflow and what your customers are like and what their demands are going to be um, comments on comments I'm trying to remember there was a bunch of different ones but I think I kind of hit on the one I was the, I think I hit on Dave's point about again the distribution about you know kind of um, the planning Right. What's the planning piece? And I, you hit on Tom's piece about the virtual warehouse. I was just kind of curious if anybody thought about that because I thought, boy, with the things we're trying to accomplish now with the circular workflow and the supply chain, the idea of sending everything to this other distribution center, sending all that cost to send things from different places to this other place, then sit there and then send it out. It seems like a real waste of and space and people and you know money. Um, so again, if there's a way to virtualize that within the context of Chris's piece, which is it's not easy. So that's my comment there on the uh, comments on the comments. So some very interesting layers there. And I am probably going to open up a floor because, you know, Bob is definitely making some very interesting comments there. And we want clarification from everybody, um, you know, what they have seen. And we want to make sure that these are not the things that are driven by the system constraints. So one of the layers that he mentioned is the X-Lift actually driving the AR. So in your experience, have you guys seen the pack slip driving the AR process or the whenever you are going to have, let's say, if you're not able to ship as many goods, then obviously that's going to come that they are going to be identified during your picking. Picking is when it is going to be deducted from your inventory and that's what is going to be refle reflected on your sales order and that is what is going to drive your invoice. So I'm actually going opening the floor for anybody, Dave, Tom, Chris, uh, whoever want to take this one first. I might jump in on this one for, yeah. for just a moment because I kind of have a secondary point on that, too. I mean, I've kind of seen it both ways. Um, a lot of times it'll be that pick slip that's the, the driver ultimate or the, the invoice. Um, and just from a technical consideration, I, I kind of want to hone in on one of the things Bob had mentioned there because a, a lot of systems, when you're looking at how to really, lever, you know, roll this out in the real world a lot of them will handle you know the back ordering the, the ship complete those sort of things but where i've seen you know in the past uh, some systems kind of fall down is that that scenario of kind of accumulating shipments or you know 
pick slips or pack slips as the case might be, and then putting all of those on a single invoice. And, and that's something not every system will do. So it's something to be very careful of when you're looking um, into systems and, and kind of how to line that up. You know, some, some systems, it's kind of a one for one type of thing where, you know, it's that pick slip and then that gets turned into the into the invoice there and you don't have a lot of flexibility there and then you're doing as bob kind of mentioned where you're having to do special custom stuff to get the right um, invoice out to the customer and i just wanted to specifically kind of touch on that just because in my experience that's one of the areas where some systems like really fall down and in managing this process as a whole okay very interesting tom do you want to touch on that uh you know have you seen pack process driving the ar how have you seen that being handled so i think yes I, I might not have described it in quite those words. So what I have seen more often than not when it came to short shipping or partial shipping is um, that the pick list and pack list that are representing the partial shipment of compared to the full order, um, that those are continuing to be processed downstream, that an invoice is being generated and receivables are being recognized um, but we aren't issuing that partial invoice to the customer. So with every partial shipment, there may be a part pack list and there might be a part pick list and there will be a part invoice. We just don't send that to the customer. And at the end of a period, I think as Bob said in one example, or just when we finally shipped complete the full order, those partial invoices that were generated in the background uh, are consolidated into a single invoice, consolidated invoice that does then finally go to the customer. But we are recognizing that money is due to us. We have shipped product and we have calculated the receivables that are due, um, even if we haven't issued the invoice to the customer. So I've seen that uh, as a pretty common practice. Um, we don't just ship the product and we don't have any financial record of what the cost was that went out the door and what, what should be coming in. So Go ahead, Chris. So typically that consolidated invoice is more like a statement because it actually, yeah. in the packing slip, again, what you know, paper-based systems, yeah, they take the packing slip and that's what was shipped and they go and select for billing and invoice, an mm-hmm. invoice, and they still invoice. And that customer setting in a consolidated model would just not print the invoices. You'd run a separate process and it's the only one that gets picked up and it aggregates and almost sends them a statement. So it's more, don't send me 30 invoices. Right. So you turn off the individual invoice printing at the end of the month, you're giving them a consolidated statement. So it's really, and it's features there, but the fulfillment against the line items absolutely drives revenue. It doesn't hold the invoicing process typically because you're not going to go do manual rev rack because a sales order, if you don't if you don't invoice a sales order, you're going to be manually making journal entries doing revenue wrecking. So you are typically invoicing, but not all systems behave the same way with that, with that feature. So. Yes, true. Okay, so just one additional clarification that I need from, uh, you know, three of you, I guess, you know, and the term that might be throwing me off is going to be the um, AR driven by the pack list. Uh, Typically, when you, it is going to be driven by the, and sometimes systems don't really differentiate between pick and pack. Larger systems are going to differentiate between those. So when you are going to be picking the inventory, let's say on the sales order, if you have three items, and now you are thinking that you can ship only two. So one item you cannot ship, so you are... Uh, you know, picking those two, and as soon as you pick the, you know, the two items are already allocated to the order. The invoice is actually gonna go based on these two items. Now the second step could be pack. Okay. Now during packing, let's say you break the item or something like that. I don't know if that is a scenario or not. 
So I don't know if something could go wrong between your pick and pack process. So typically pick is typically enough. And unless you are doing the complicated uh, picking and packing process in which you are doing either wave or batch picking in which you might have, uh, you know, uh, picked for a lot of different orders, but some of the orders fell short and now you have to make the adjustment for those orders in the invoice. So invoice is going to assume as soon as you pick, that's it, I'm done, I'm going to invoice it. But then something could go wrong between your pick and pack process as well. That's where my confusion is. I think terminology is fulfillment, Sam. So it's when it's fulfilled. A picking document is a piece of paper that tells you what to go fulfill. And I think it's the actual recording of the fulfillment of that line item, meaning they ordered one, I fulfilled one. Oh, by the way, here's a serial number for that one. In your context, hey, I fulfilled them. I had them staged. They were picked. They were ready to pack, and I broke one. Okay, do you unfulfilled? Do you go get a – you've got some other transactions there that are going to happen, but typically that's not – it's, but it's the fulfillment. And again, the packing list is typically a printout that comes after you fulfilled it in the system and it prints out a confirmation of what line items were fulfilled. So the pack slip is generated after the fulfillment process is completed. In a paper-based system, the picking ticket guides the operator as to what items they should pick and fulfill on the line item. So that's just its terminology to some degree. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's usually still a, a single point, and whether it's pick, pack, or whatever. I mean, even even with clients that are doing pick and pack, to, to Chris's point, you know, you're doing a pick operation, but then you do that pack and or ship operation as well and that's ultimately what's driving the the invoice so that's the the final fulfillment piece in there okay uh any other final comments guys otherwise you can take only the closing advice after that maybe one one final comment um yeah. again back to my original early point of necessary evil um that i don't think short shipping or partial shipping is ideal if it can be avoided avoid it um generally speaking uh, but um you know the the whole reverse logistics aspects of uh, dealing with partial shipments, uh, cancellations, returns. Um, you know, Dave brought up, you know, the, the whole ship part and cancel. All of these things create so many different complexities um, that if you don't really need to do this, going back to Bob's comment, you know, if you don't need to do this as part of your process, if it doesn't give you some kind of competitive advantage, if it doesn't help your business or really lock customers in because they love you for dealing with this additional complexity, um, then avoid it. <laughs> so there's there's complexities we haven't even started to discuss and don't have time to discuss. Go ahead, Chris. I can take some. Yeah, there's, there's one more comment as we talk about fulfillment. So just be aware that not all systems default to separate fulfillment. And you're like, well, what's that mean? Well, I had a customer that had 90,000 SKUs and their current configuration when we found them was they were not using separate fulfillment. What that means is as soon as they keyed in a sales order, it automatically said you ordered one, one was fulfilled. How do you plan? How do you back order manage? That is a nightmare. So again, I, I, Dynamics GP users, that's a separate setting. And if you're not using separate fulfillment, you don't know what's been shipped. You don't know what to be invoiced. So just be aware. I don't know how that works in the systems you guys have had, but that is a separate feature. Not everybody has to use a separate fulfillment. So beware. Amazing, guys. So closing advice, Chris? Yeah, I think you segment segment the different lines of business you have. And if you're in different industries, look at the cases where you want to support that and look at look at how easy you can interact with a customer and make sure you don't lose money on the deal. I think that's the biggest thing. It's really going to be about studying efficiency. And if you can do it efficiently and not lose money and deliver a great customer experience, like I said, just plan for it. Love it. Thank you much, Chris, for that. Bob, what would be your closing advice, please? You know, I'm a systems guy and foundations guy. So it really is about 
understanding your true business process and what the ERP systems can provide you. So you have a clear understanding of what you need and make sure the system uh, provides for that. Very interesting. Thank you so much, Bob, for that. Tom, what would be your closing advice, please? I would again repeat that this is more of a necessary evil than a, a process or best practice in terms of partial shipping. Um, and again, to, to kind of echo what Bob was saying, um, if, uh, if you have a firm grasp of your business and your customers and you understand the environment you're operating in, um, you, know, you, you model things appropriately. If you have to deal with this, if it's part of the competitive landscape, then then you need to figure out how to do it. Um, so I, again, and then I think we get into some of the issues Chris raised about systems. Different systems have different capabilities. So this if this is a necessary evil in your business. You need to take that into consideration, selecting your ERP or, and, and peripheral systems. Love it. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. Dave, what would you close advice, please? Yeah, I would really second what everyone else had said and, and really just say outside of the, the partial shipment piece itself is, you know, take a look at your planning, um, your MRP, your production, all of that, because ultimately it's it's those upstream things that are driving us in a lot of cases. So, you know, like a lot of things, it's complex and make sure everything is right and then it'll it'll be perfect. So. All right, guys. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We take one topic related to digital transformation. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We're going to come back with another topic. On that note, thanks uh, once again, uh, everyone, for your time and insights tonight. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye, everybody. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Garadini, head over to turnkeytech.com. If you want to learn more about Tom Raden, follow and connect with him on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about David Dozer, head over to blazeitweb.com. It's B-L-A-Z-E-I-T-W-E-B.com. If you want to learn more about Bob Feathers, head over to bindable.com. It's B-I-N-D-A-B-L-E dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Pete Gret, who shares his insights into inventory access and obsolescence. Also, the interview with Phil Kramer, who shares his insights into integrated supply chain planning and why companies need to have an integrated strategy for their supply chain. Also, don't forget to subscribe and respect the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.